Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our first teaching Tuesday. You're welcome to come and take a seat, make yourself comfortable. Make sure you get yourself some coffee and maybe a rask or so on your way. And uh, come and take your seats, please. All righty. So, okay, uh, I'm sure I know most of you, but if there's someone I don't know, my name's Eni Swart. That's my family up there. Uh, my wife's the coffee, I'm the cream, and kids are the cappuccino. And don't we make cute little cappuccinos? <laughs> so I, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, living life on purpose. So uh, what is that and what, what is its purpose, And that, that picture, um, or that object on the picture? What is its purpose and how do you know what its purpose is? Just turn to the person next to you and quickly discuss that in a minute. It's a pen, for those of you who didn't know. Okay. <laughs> What is the purpose of the pen, and how do you know it? Okay, that, that's a, it's a very simple question, but the reason I ask it is because I want you to start realizing that everything around us has a purpose. Okay, there's, there's very little around us, if anything, that doesn't have a purpose. Uh, but how do you know what something's purpose is? What were some of the answers that you gave? How do you know that? What was the purpose of the pen? Has, has any of you ever used... A pen for something other than its purpose. <laughs> yeah, scratching in your ear or something, yeah. <laughs> or stabbing someone. <laughs> um, so you can use something that has a purpose for something other than its purpose, and that's called abuse, right? And um, that's one of the reasons why knowing about purpose is important. So what is purpose? Purpose is, this is a very generic, simple definition of purpose. Purpose is the reason something exists or is accomplished. Okay? Purpose is the reason something exists or is accomplished. It's, it's, it's the intention with which it, it was created. It's, yeah, it gives reason. So... Um, you, you get purpose of being and purpose of doing. Um, let me try and maybe... Um, I actually brought... Do you have a pen for me, Izan? I, I had my pens. I forgot them in the car. <laughs> um, a, a pen, like we said, has the purpose of, of writing. Okay, You write with it. Uh, that's its main purpose. Um, and the interesting thing is that things are, that are fundamentally the same have fundamentally the same purpose. So the purpose of all pens is to write. But there are also slight differences, right? So you might have a pen like this that has some you know, phone number and advertising on it. So its main purpose is to write, but it also serves, serves a promotional purpose. Okay? I have a pencil that I forgot in the car. <laughs> and the difference with a pencil is you can write with it, but you can also erase what you wrote. So when you want to write something, but it's not as, you don't want it to be as permanent, then you use a pencil. So the fundamental purpose is still to write, but the secondary purpose is, you know, you want to write something that's maybe slightly more temporary or, you know, tentative and that you can change. And we talk about penciling something into your diary. In other words, it can still change. 
Okay? I have another nice pen that, that looks very nice that I use to, when, when I go on weddings, you know, I put it into my suit pocket and then when they have to sign the register, I pull out my nice pen, you know, and they sign it. And, and it's still, they still have to write with it, you know. Uh, the, the married couples still have to sign their names and the witnesses have to sign their names. But it looks nice because you want it to look nice on the photo, you know, when the blushing bride and a strapping, you know, bridegroom, you know, sign sign uh, their marriage covenant. Um, and then, you know, like I said, you, you know, you, you get a red pen. His on this morning was showing me a red pen, you know, and, and, and you often use a red pen, and you'll know as a teacher, you know, when you want to mark something, you know, and correct stuff. And you want to, it to stand out from the blue or the black or whatever, uh, you know, the students write with. So, so they, fundamentally the purpose is still to write, but the specific purpose is, you know, there, there might be a secondary purpose which is, slightly different, you know, to look nice or to be, you know, to do promotion or whatever um, that may be. And I want you to think about this, that there's a sense in which our fundamental purpose as human beings, because we are the same, like all pens are the same, our fundamental purpose is also the same. But there are slight differences, there are slight tweaks. And, and, and I like to refer that to, as, uh, to that as um, purpose of being, which is the same, and then purpose of doing, which can differ. That's, that's how I like to distinguish between them. So today we're going to focus a bit more on purpose of being, and then in, in coming sessions we, we, we'll focus on the, on the other one. Um, so, okay, we did that one. Why is purpose, why purpose is important? Purpose gives us a motive, a reason, a meaning, a why. I remember, you know, watching um, one of my favorite movies, The Matrix. Um, so I'm sort of giving my age away because apparently The Matrix 4 is coming out soon, you know. So some of you might be too young to remember the, the original Matrix. Any, anyone not see The Matrix? Okay, yeah, there's no shame. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sci-fi movie. I like sci-fi movies. And uh, it's a story basically of this guy, Neo, who works as a programmer, um, and, you know, you can sort of see he's not, he's, he's not got any motivation in life. He's not got any, um, he, he's, he's, he comes late for work, and then he gets called into the boss's office, and he gets reprimanded, but he's sort of disengaged, and he's not, like, really interested. He's like, ugh, you know, just get over it, you know. And then the crux of the story comes out that, um, he gets woken up from the matrix. And, and the whole premise of the story is that it's actually his life that he was living as a programmer was a virtual life. And he was plugged into a machine. And the machines had taken over the world. And they were using humans as live batteries. And they were just streaming this virtual reality matrix world and allowing them to live and, and make all kinds of you know, real decisions in this virtual reality world uh, just to keep their minds busy you know, and to keep them from, from dying. And, and he got woken up from the matrix and all of a sudden his whole world changed. Okay? And <clears throat> all of a sudden he had a sense of purpose. And if you compare it in the beginning of the movie and at the end of the movie, I mean there's a sense of deep purpose and urgency in his life. Something he's actually willing to die for and actually in the movie... Spoiler alert, he does die. <laughs> but he's willing to die, that's the point. Whereas in the beginning of the movie, he wasn't even willing to show up on time at work. What changed? 
purpose. All of a sudden, he had a reason to live. All of a sudden, he had a reason. Because he had a reason to live, he also had a reason to die. He had something to live for. He had a motive. Um, and, and I'll refer to that example again. And the other thing is we also we crave purpose and we create meaning as human beings. We try and find meaning into stuff. I mean, you know, we've all probably heard the story of, you know, some other family that was driving along in a car and a guy, you know, drove over the intersection of the red robot because he was texting and he wasn't paying attention, drove into the car and, you know, say one of the, the little girl in the car died. And then the parents, you know, obviously devastated, heartbroken, dedicate the rest of their lives to... Um, creating legislation that will prevent people from texting while they drive. (laughs) Why? Why would they do that? Because they want their daughter's death to mean something. And and we we want life to have meaning. I mean, that's one of the things that we we struggle, why, why we struggle with suffering. When things go wrong, when things are difficult, when we experience hardship, we ask, why? What's the purpose of it? What's the meaning in it? And, and we need to find meaning in life um, in order to live life. Uh, Miles Monroe uh, said, the misunderstanding of purpose inevitably leads to abuse. And I think that's a very important reason why purpose is important. If you misunderstand your purpose, in fact, if you misunderstand the purpose of anything, it's going to lead to abuse. If you misunderstand the purpose of this pen, you might use it to scratch in your ear or to stab your classmate or whatever because they're irritating you (laughs) even though that's not its purpose Um, if you misunderstand the purpose of alcohol you're going to use it to get drunk to drown your sorrows and you're going to become an alcoholic Um, if you misunderstand as a you know minister uh, in government if you misunderstand the purpose of the authority and the leadership position you've been given you're going to abuse it to enrich yourself and your family rather than to serve the people. And we see a lot of that happening. In fact, it's not only in government. It's, it's ev- everywhere where we often see that. And, and people think that leadership and position and authority is so that I can benefit myself and my, the people around me, the people I, I, you know, I, I want to take care of. Um, in, in other words, the misunderstanding of purpose inevitably leads to abuse. And it's the same for us. If we misunderstand our purpose, it's gonna end, we're going to end up abusing ourselves, our own lives. But, but not only that, if, if you don't understand your purpose, then other people are going to end up abusing you. Have you ever thought about that? If you don't know what your purpose is and you're not actively living for your purpose, then other people are going to impose on you what they think your purpose is or should be. In other words, when you don't know your purpose, you seed you abdicate the, the, the power of decision-making and meaning creation in your life to the people around you, to the most powerful people around you, the people who have authority over you. And they will end up often abusing you. <clears throat> Another reason why purpose is important is good and bad, right and wrong depend on purpose. You cannot tell whether something is good and bad or bad, right or wrong, unless you know the purpose of it. Um, you know, we were talking about the example of a pen. You know, is it right or wrong to stab my classmate with my pen? 
Well, is that what a pen was created for? Is that what they were created for? I have to understand their purpose. I have to understand my purpose. I have to understand the pen's purpose. And, and I would submit that, you know, if I stab my classmate with my pen, I'm misunderstanding the purpose of all three. <laughs> okay? <laughs> but not only that, I mean, um, Bernay has a nice watch. Hold up your arm so they can see your nice watch. Okay, this is, uh, this is probably one of his nice watches. Okay? <laughs> but if he takes that watch and, and, he's, and he, and he, and he, and he uh, you know, wants to put up a, a, a picture frame at home and he takes a nail, he takes the watch and starts hammering the nail into the wall with the watch and the watch breaks and he's like, this is not a good watch because it can't even hit a nail into the wall. I mean, what kind of a stupid watch is this? <laughs> I mean, would that, would that be, I mean, we laugh at that, and I um, intentionally chose a ridiculous example, but you cannot say that something is bad because it cannot accomplish something that's not its purpose. But how often do we do that with ourselves and with other people? Um, Albert Einstein said, everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. And how many of us live our whole lives thinking that we are stupid because we have accepted someone else's faulty purpose for our lives upon ourselves that they've imposed upon us, and, and now we feel like we're useless and worthless because we cannot fulfill their purpose that they've imposed on us rather than fulfilling what is truly our purpose and what is God's purpose for our lives. And so, so you see, this, this, this issue of purpose, actually, it gets real in your life. Okay? Another thing, maybe I should also just say this. If you, if you cannot decide what's good and bad, what's right and wrong, without understanding purpose then it means that your everyday decision-making is, is seriously impaired if you don't understand the purpose, your purpose, and the purpose of the people and the things around you. Because we, we make decisions, you know, and that's where, that's where the, the whole issue of purpose, that where the rubber hits the road. Every day we make decisions based on our understanding or misunderstanding of our purpose and the purpose of the things around us. And not only the, the objects around us, I'm talking about the things happening around us. There's purpose of doing as well. And, and the problem is if we misunderstand the purpose of, of you know, the things around us and the things happening around us, then we're constantly going to make wrong decisions in life. And those wrong decisions that we make day by day are going to add up and accumulate into a life that ultimately... Um, will not be what it was intended to be. Uh, Andy Stanley says, everybody ends up somewhere in life. A few people end up somewhere on purpose. In other words, you, you know, whether you have a sense of purpose, whether you have a vision, whether you have a goal or an objective that you're striving for, you're going to end up somewhere. Okay? But... Whether you have a sense of purpose or not determines whether 
you have any say in where you end up or whether it's just circumstances and people around you that determine where you end up. And you sort of end up somewhere by accident. And, and so many people, and that's, I think, part of what the midlife crisis is about, they, they get sort of halfway through their lives and they realize, I'm not where I wanted to be. I'm not where I think I ought to be. I, I'm not where I'm supposed to be in life. How did I end up here? <laughs> right? How, how did I get here? And, 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 and the problem is so often when we're younger, and, and uh, you know, uh, a lot of you guys are younger sort of in the you know, 35 you know, and lower sort of bracket. There are a few sort of harder, harder, yeah, <laughs> and older people is on. You're also in the... <laughs> but, but the problem is in the beginning of your career, as a student and as a young working person, purpose doesn't matter that much. You like, I need to eat and live indoors. So I just want a paycheck. You know, purpose, shmurpus. You know, I don't, I don't care about that that much. As long as I'm making money and sort of getting experience and, 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 and sort of developing skills. Uh, you know, that's what I'm worried about now. But the problem is, when you do that and you don't think about purpose, that's when you eventually you hit the midlife crisis and you realize, uh-oh, maybe I should have actually thought about purpose a bit earlier. Because you don't want to climb the ladder of success only to discover that it was leaning against the wrong wall. And the problem is, (laughs) you can be very efficient at climbing the ladders to success. You can climb it pretty high. But if at the end of your life you discover it was leaning against the wrong wall, it doesn't matter how high you've climbed it. It's still leaning against the wrong wall. And by that time, it's too late to do something about it. So now is the time to think about purpose. Now is the time to think about meaning. Now is the time to, to have all those hard conversations. But purpose is not only important, purpose is also a bit difficult. And, and you know, we crave purpose and we talk about purpose and people write books about the purposeful life uh, or what purpose-driven life. And, and, and um, you know, people you know, having conversations about bringing purpose into the marketplace, purpose into the workplace, and that's all good and well, but what people often don't talk about is that there's a catch in purpose. Why, and I mean, if I go back to to sort of the survey we we did, um, many of us don't feel a strong sense of purpose, and many of us would rate our colleagues as not having a strong sense sense of purpose, or any sense of purpose whatsoever. Okay, so if purpose is so important, if we crave purpose, you know, why is there such a low hit rate? Why are there so relatively few people that are actually getting purpose right in practice? And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, one of the reasons is because there are certain difficulties about purpose that we often don't talk about. Okay, so you can, and, and by all means, what I'm giving here is my understanding of things. I'm going to have some, some opportunities for, for, um, for discussion um, and I, I want you, if you disagree with me, tell me. If you have other thoughts, if, if, you, if, you can, if I can learn from you, I want to learn from you. Okay. So what I want us to do before we jump into that, the difficulties of purpose, I just want you to sort of quickly, uh, in your groups, you know, two by two, three by three, or whatever, just discuss the importance of purpose. Uh, what do you agree with? What do you disagree with? Why? What would you add? Etc. So just take a couple of minutes and talk about that. Okay.
Hope you had good discussions. Is, is, is there anyone that had like a major revelation or brainstorm or idea that, that, that you think you wanted to add to, to the conversation about why, why purpose is important? Yeah. So, so um, Leopold is saying that, um, just for the recording, that when we start working, we often, from the get-go, invest a, a big portion of money of, of that salary, and, and in the beginning it's relatively small, in our um, retirement. Uh, you know, and, and, and often that, that gives you a sense of what people sort of are working towards, what, what they aim, what their goal, uh, and, and so on is. And the question is, but, but how much do we actually invest in our purpose and discovering our purpose and training ourselves for our purpose, equipping ourselves for a purpose and then fulfilling that purpose? Uh, and, and he's saying that maybe that is, is a bit disproportionate, you know, that um, we should actually invest more in our purpose. Um, anything else? Anyone want to add? Okay, so let's look at the why purpose is difficult. And there are a few reasons I don't think this is necessarily all the reasons, but, but these are, I never actually thought about purpose, you know, there being a catch to purpose, there being sort of, you know, difficulties to purpose, uh, um, and, until, you know, I started preparing for this, and then I realized, but hang on, there are actually. Um, and the first one is, <clears throat> sometimes conditions prevent us from discovering our purpose. Okay, if you just think about our example of a pen, if there were no paper, if there were no la language, and especially written language, if there were no readers, how would you discover the purpose of a pen? Those other things need to be in place for you to be able to discover the purpose of the pen. Okay? I'm sure Neo in the Matrix, you know, before he woke up from the Matrix, while he was sort of in that virtual reality world, which wasn't real, it was fake, he probably thought he had a sense, or at least a sort of idea of what his purpose was or that he had a purpose to life. But that purpose was actually wrong. And, and that shows us that if your view of reality is wrong, then your view of the purpose of your life will be wrong as well. And that's why, I mean, in, in the movie, when he wakes up from the matrix, when he sort of wakes up from this dream virtual reality world in this stark post-apocalyptic world where he's a battery, you know, to some other, uh, you know, plugged into some other machine, you know, so the machines can run. <clears throat> All of us, I mean, that, that's like uh, the Christian experience of being born again. It's, 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 it's waking up in a whole new world that was radically different from the world that you thought was real. And so many people, and, and here's the thing, um, so often we, the world that we that we perceive is like the matrix. It's a, a virtual reality. Well, it's at the very best a partial reality. So many people live in a, a two-dimensional world that's just physical and psychological, but the spiritual, third spiritual dimension is completely missing from it. And there's a whole world, a spiritual world, but a very real world that they're not even aware of. And then when they get born again, it's like waking up from the matrix. And all of a sudden, their perception of reality radically changes. And therefore, their sense of purpose also radically changes. And I suspect that to most of us, that has happened already. <clears throat> um, 
another difficulty with purpose is that purpose implies a creator. And for some people that is difficult. For some people that is a challenge. <laughs> purpose, if, if purpose is the intention, the intent with which something was created, this, this um, pen was created with the intent to be able to write messages and you know, draw pictures or whatever. Uh, that's the intention. But you need an actual person only persons can intend. Only persons can, can, can create something for a reason. Only persons can give reason. If, if, you, if, if there's no person behind our creation, there can be no reason behind our creation. There can be no intention for our creation because only persons can intend. Um, so if purpose requires intention, then a divine intelligence created us. And that means that only God. Uh, that that means that that there has to be a God if we want to have uh, purpose. And that also means, sort of as a secondary point, that um, God is the only being that has no purpose. Have you thought, ever thought about that? We'll 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 get into that a little bit more. Um, let me just. Sorry, I think I. Here we go. Um, I'll go back to the other slides in a moment. Bertrand Russell said the, the following, that man is the product of causes which had no prevision of the end that they were achieving. That his origin, his growth, his hopes and fears, his loves and beliefs are but the outcome of accidental collocations of atoms. That no fire, no heroism, no in, uh, intensity of thought and feeling can preserve an individual life beyond the grave. That all the labors of the ages, all the devotion, all the inspiration, all the noonday brightness of human genius are destined to extinction in the vast death of the solar system and that the whole temple of man's achievement must inevitably be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. All these things, if not quite beyond dispute, are yet so near, nearly certain that no philosophy which rejects them can hope to stand. Only within the scaffolding of these truths, only on the firm foundation of unyielding despair can the soul's habitation henceforth be safely built. Now, I, I don't agree with Bertrand Russell, but I do appreciate his honesty and his consistency. He says that if, because he was an atheist, he didn't believe that there's a God. He believed in evolution. He believed that everything was created through the accidental collocation of atoms. That man is the product of causes which had no prevision, in other words, no intention of the end they were achieving. And if you believe that, then the only option available to you is what he calls unyielding despair. There can be no reason, no rhyme, no purpose in life. Because... Random processes cannot create purpose. And what people who believe what Bertrand Russell, Russell believe, and even many people who call themselves Christian who believe that, uh, will do is say, well, yeah, okay, fine. Um, they can, you know, if I'm honest with myself. So, so or they'll sort of ignore, not think about it, um, and, and say, you know, 
I don't want to think about that, it scares me. <laughs> or I don't want to think about that, it confuses me. So, so you've got to be sort of unthinking. Uh, you, you have to live an unexamined life, if you believe that. Or if you want to be intellectually honest and actually think about it, then you have to come up with some other ways of trying to find purpose. Uh, and, and, and people often talk about finding meaning in the meaningless. But all that, they, that it really comes down to is basically deceiving yourself. And, and, and there I'm with Bertrand Russell. He says, if you want to believe what I believe, and, and he's pretty certain, you can see, of what he believes. He thinks he's right, in, in very um, much right in what he believes. Then you, you cannot deceive yourself into thinking that there's some purpose in life. It's just unyielding despair. So <clears throat> what I want to say to you is that on the one hand, um, some people might be uncomfortable with the idea of purpose implying a creator. But actually, it, it, you know, if there can be no purpose without a creator, then you know, the fact that there's a creator is good news because it means that there is purpose. It's, you know, unyielding despair is not our only option. We can actually have an intelligent divine, a divine intelligence who purposed, who created us for a purpose and on purpose, we're not an accident. If, you, if you're willing to believe in a creator, then you can actually believe that you're not an accident, that, that your life is not an accident, that it actually has meaning, that there's intention behind it and that there's a purpose for your life. Um, but more than that, let me just go back. Um, Um, Romans 11 verse 36 says, For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be glory forever. And God, if he is the source and origin of everything, then, then he doesn't have a purpose, but he gives purpose to, to everything else. Um, I already did that. Yep, here we go. Okay. Sorry. Okay, so that purpose implies a creator might be uncomfortable, but it but it's actually good news. And and the reason for that is that if there is a creator and he created you for a purpose, then he actually wants you to fulfill that purpose. And we get this scripture, um, this is just one example, uh, Psalm 57 verse 2, and this was written by King David. Why he was fleeing from Saul? This was before he actually was king. Um, uh, it was just David the shepherd boy, but he'd already been anointed as king, uh, and Saul hated him and felt very threatened by him, Saul, the, the first king of Israel, and he was chasing him through the desert with, with all the armed forces. And, and, and specifically, it says that this was written when David was hiding in the cave. And remember, Paul, Paul, uh, Saul came to relieve himself in the cave, and David cut off the corner of his robe, and then when he left, he sort of stood on the, on the cliff and waved the corner of his robe and said, Listen, look, you know, I cut off the corner of your robe, I could have killed you. you know, it was that sort of situation where he was being unjustly you know, persecuted, and his life was being threatened. And he was going through a really difficult time. And he writes this. He says, I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. So David is in a situation where it looks like his life's going to end, where his life is not going to fulfill its purpose. And he says, one thing that I comfort myself in is 
the fact, the actual fact that there is a God, that is God most high, that is higher than Saul, higher than the king of the land, that is God most high, and that he fulfills not my purpose, but his purpose for me. In other words, yes, in, 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 in some ways, you know, if, you, if there's a purpose, it implies a creator, and you're accountable to that creator, and you cannot do what you want to. It's not my, and that's why asking the question, what is my purpose, is maybe not such a helpful question. The more helpful question is, what is his purpose for my life? If he created me for a purpose, then I might ask, what is his purpose for my life? That's the more helpful question. But it also means that if he has a purpose for my life, then he is committed to that purpose for my life. And he's going to help me fulfill that purpose. In other words, I'm not alone in this purpose thing. I'm not fighting this big, you know, machine, you know, that, 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 that um, is against me alone. I'm actually fulfilling the purpose of a God who is more powerful than the world and all the forces of the world that are against me and who wants me to fulfill my purpose. The purpose that he gave me, his purpose for my life. And if I <clears throat> submit to the reality of a divine creator who gives me purpose, then I also receive the divine help of that almighty, most high God to fulfill my purpose. And that's good news. That's encouraging. Okay. Okay, I already did that. Um, one way of thinking of your of your purpose is um, sort of another catch of purpose or difficulty of purpose is that purpose means that you're a means to an end. Okay. This pen has a purpose, and the purpose of this pen is not the pen. That piano has a purpose, and the purpose of the piano is not the piano. It's to make music for people. This chair that you're sitting on has a purpose, and the purpose of the chair is not itself, but to create a comfortable space for you to sit on. Okay? In other words, everything that has a purpose, that purpose is outside of itself. In other words... Um, if you're a purpose, if you say, I want a purpose or I have a purpose, you're saying, I'm not an end in myself. I'm a means to an end. Okay, and we don't like that. And that's why I say, that's why purpose is sometimes difficult. Because we want to be an end in ourselves as human beings. That's part of our fallen human nature. We want to be the center of attraction. In the story of life, we want to be the hero. I, I once read a book um, about writing and uh, the, the author said something very interesting. He said, in order to write believable characters, you must write characters that see themselves as the hero of the story. And that sees everyone else as the supporting cast. <laughs> and, and the reality is, that is how most people are. And, and that is how most people live. And, and if we're honest with ourselves, like in a survey where we, that we can do anonymously then it seems it also, to some extent at least, comes out that in theory we believe in purpose and in living for others, but in practice we often live a little bit more for ourselves than for others. Okay? But the challenge of purpose, or one of the challenges of purpose is it forces us to acknowledge that because I have a purpose, 
I'm a means to an end. I'm not an end in myself. God is the only end in himself. And that's why God is the only one who doesn't have a purpose. Okay? Um, Andy Stanley says that purpose is found just across the border of what's in it for me. In other words, if I'm a means to an end and not an end in myself, then I cannot find purpose by starting with myself. I can only find purpose by looking outside of myself. So purpose is all about becoming a means to an end that is greater than you. Becoming some, a part of something that's, that's greater than you. And if you think about it, uh, this is a question uh, you know, people often ask you know, to sort of try and discover their purpose. What do I want people to say about me at my funeral? At the end of my life, you know, if I could be a sort of a spiritual fly on the wall, disembodied fly on the wall, <laughs> and look at my funeral and hear what people said about me, what would I want people to say about me? What would you want people to say about you? Okay, actually discuss that for a few minutes. Turn to one another and quickly discuss. What would you like? In fact, before you discuss, before you discuss, take a minute or two and just write down a few bullet points of what you would like people to say about you at your funeral before you discuss it. Just take a minute and quickly write a few, down a few bullet points and then you can turn to one another and quickly discuss. <clears throat> Okay. Who have you had like a few interesting things that um, that were mentioned in your group? Even if you didn't mention it yourself, but someone in the group mentioned it that that you think uh, was was sort of an interesting or a good representative thing that people would like to have said about them. Anyone? Just shout out a few. Things that were said, yes. It can get, again get you caught. It can again get you caught in yourself, in in that sort of selfishness towards yourself. You know, that self-centeredness. You know, anything else? Anyone want to add? Can now you, you as a pastor? I know. You get sort of two kinds of funerals. <laughs> you get the kinds of funerals you, you enjoy doing, even though they're sad, and then you get the, the kinds of funerals you really don't like doing because you have to figure out something to say about this person, and there's not that much to say. <laughs> you get some, of, some funerals where people like just come up and say, wow, you know, this person was amazing. They did this for me. They sacrificed that for me. You know, they made such a difference in my life. And then you get other funerals where it's like, crick, 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 you know. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what we're saying is that even if people say nice things about you at your funeral, that doesn't necessarily mean you fulfilled your purpose. So, so you can have funerals where people say all kinds of nice things. I, I think we're kind of safe to say, you know, if there's no nice things to say about you, then you're pretty <laughs> sure to have missed your, your purpose. But even if, if people say nice things about you, then, then it doesn't necessarily mean that you fulfilled your purpose either. And, and maybe once again, the better question is not, what will the people who stay behind say about me? But who will the, what will the God who I go up to heaven to meet say about me? Will he say, well done, good and faithful servant? What will he say about my purpose? Just uh, uh, another last um, problem with purpose or difficulty with purpose. Purpose uh, places some restrictions on me. 
on what I could and should do. If, if, purpose, <clears throat> if you have a purpose, like we're talking about the pen, the purpose of the pen, what it was designed to do, also tells you what it was not designed to do. It's not designed to scratch in my ear. It's not designed for me to stab someone with. Okay? So, in that sense, purpose also puts restrictions or limitations on us and tells us what we're not supposed to do. And <clears throat> to many modern people, that's a bit of a problem. I think I'm just going to read uh, what Tim Keller says about it because he says it really well. Uh, he says, modern people like to see freedom as the complete absence of any constraints. But think of a fish. Because a fish absorbs oxygen from water, not air, it is free only if it is restricted to water. If a fish is freed from the river and put <clears throat> sorry, on the grass to explore, its freedom to move and, uh, and soon even to live is destroyed. The fish is not more free but less free if it cannot honor the reality of its nature and its purpose. The, the same is true of airplanes and birds. If they violate the laws of aerodynamics, they will crash into the ground. But if they follow them, they will, ascend, they will ascend and soar. The same is true in many areas of life. Freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right, restriction, the right restrictions. Those restrictions that fit with the reality of our own nature and those of the world. So in other words... You know, if, if we have purpose, it means that we have a creator, but it, that means we have help in our purpose. If we have a purpose, it means we're a means to an end, but that means we can actually have fulfillment because don't you actually have more of a sense of fulfillment when you're serving others than when you're just selfishly serving yourself? I heard once of a, of a lady, um, very rich lady, um, you know, that she was so rich, she lived in the most, you know, amazing luxury in the most beautiful home you can imagine, you know. And, um, you know, so much money she didn't have to work, you know, a day in her life. But she was extremely depressed. And she went to see a, a you know, psychologist and, you know, do a few sessions, sat on the couch and talked about it. And she was just desperately depressed. And um, the psychologist said to her, okay, I just want to try something before we put you on, on, on meds for the, um, you know, for... for, for for the depression, um, I just want you to this week go out. There's this soup kitchen close by. Just go there, go and help them. Just go and volunteer there. Just go and you know feed people off the street. Okay. And she went on the Tuesday. Went to the you know the next day, uh, helped at the soup kitchen, fed people, saw you know poor people who lived on the street, who slept on the street, who had no food, and they were so thankful just to receive some food. Uh, and she enjoyed it so much that she came back, you know, the Thursday to help again and again on the Saturday. And the next Monday when she had her next session, she had no more depression. <laughs> because all of a sudden she'd found a reason outside of herself to live for. And the depression came from the fact that she had had no such reason before. And she was just living for herself. And we weren't designed for that. That's not... Our purpose. We're, we're like a fish out of water when we're just living for ourselves. Um, so that means that, yes, you're a means to an end, but you also can have a sense of fulfillment and accomplishment and satisfaction. Being, um, having a purpose means, yes, there are certain restrictions and limitations on your life, but that also means you have a sense of safety, a sense of I belong here. 
I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm a fish inside of water. I'm not wandering out there like a fish trying to live outside of the water. I'm fulfilling. I'm living in line with my purpose. In other words, there's a sense of safety and security because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm living as I'm supposed to live. Okay, just in closing then, um, purpose is important. We need purpose. We like purpose. But purpose is also in some senses difficult. And there's a bit of a tension there uh, because um, there's a challenge. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9 and 10, it says, It was not God's intention that we experience His anger, but that we obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us. He died for us. So that whether we are awake in this life or asleep in death, we will live together with Him. The amazing, the good news of the gospel, yes, purpose requires some sacrifice. It requires you to look outside of yourself. It requires you to give up certain things to, that you could have used to benefit you, you know, your time, your comfort, all that kind of stuff, to sacrifice that for the benefit of others. Yes, there's a price to pay for purpose. And that's why many people don't live on purpose. But if we believe in the God who created us for a purpose, the God who himself has no purpose because he's not a means to an end but an end in himself, then we can look at that God and see how that God who is not a means to an end but the only ultimate end in himself actually made himself a means to an end. He became human and made himself a means to an end. He gave his life for us. He made himself a means to the end of our salvation and our eternal life with him, together with him. In other words, God, in a sense, you can almost say he was so committed to saving us that he even though he, he is the ultimate end, he made himself a means to an end. He, made him, he violated, his, in a sense, his nature to come and serve us, to come and be used by us so that we can be saved. Now, if God does that for us, and God didn't only do that for us in the past, he continues to selflessly sacrifice himself for us in the present. If there's a God who's, who gave us a purpose and sacrificed for us so that we can be saved, then we can also safely sacrifice for others in order to fulfill our purpose because God is still there sacrificing for us. God is still there taking care of us. God is still there to make us his own and to save us. And we can look at, at Jesus as the example and, and, and get inspiration from him and say, if Jesus could make himself a means to an end, then I can do the same. And if Jesus making himself a means to an end accomplished so much in the world that 2,000 years later we're still serving him, following him, talking about him, uh, and that 2,000 years uh, later there are still lives being changed, cultures being changed, because of his sacrifice, then we can do the same. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And that sin, I mean the, the main sin that we're talking about tonight, that ensnares us and prevents us from living our purpose, is the, the sin of self-centeredness. 
the sin of focusing on ourselves. Let us lay aside that sin that ensnares us in a life of meaninglessness and purposelessness. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And with God has a specific race that is set before each one of us that he wants us to run. Looking unto Jesus, the, the ultimate end who made himself a means to an end for us, to save us. The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, sacrificing, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And um, we throughout use the pen as an, uh, an example of purpose. If you're a pen, what story is being written by your life? Are you trying to write your own story? Or are you allowing the author and the finisher to be the one who actually writes your story? The author is the one who writes the story, right? So... Are you allowing him to use you as a pen and to write your story? Because if you allow him to write your story, yes, you won't be the hero of the story. He will. Okay? So if you want to be the hero of the story, you're going to be disappointed. But your story will have a happy ending. The only way you're going to have your happily ever after is if you give yourself as a pen to the author and allow him to finish your story to write with the purpose that he had in mind for you. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this time we can spend together, Lord God, and talk about <clears throat> purpose and talk about meaning in life. Ask the, the deep and sometimes the hard questions. Thank you, Lord, that we can safely live for your purpose, knowing that, that your plan and your purpose for us is better than anything we can come up with. And, and I, I just pray, Lord God, that you will give us the, the grace and the wisdom, Lord, not to sell ourselves short and to settle for our plan for our lives when we can actually settle for your plan for our lives. And Lord, we, we just come and give our hearts to you and we, we just come and pray, Lord, that you'll Help us to trust you enough so that you can write the story of our lives. So that you can write a purposeful story. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, before we, we break, I just want you to again just to turn to one another. And sort of in light of what we discussed uh, this evening, just sort of share with one another what... What are the main things that are blocking you or preventing you to really live on purpose? Okay? So often, and I'm just thinking about those two dots again, the number one dot that was sort of on that side and number two dot that was a lot more on, on this side, which tells us that we're not, or we don't feel like we're consistently enough living out our purpose in everyday life and in everyday decisions. And, and one of the tools that, that people often recommend in order to live out your purpose is something like a personal purpose statement or a person, personal vision statement, right? Because unless you're constantly holding up in front of yourself who you are and what you're supposed to do, you're going to forget about it in the rough and tumble of everyday life. And you're just going to take random decisions or decisions that don't consider actively, intentionally, what you were intended for. So you need a reminder. So... 
what I want you to do is either bring, if you already have a sort of a personal vision or purpose statement, I want you to bring it with you. If you haven't got one, I want you to write the first draft. Okay? It may, it may not be longer than one A4 page, so it mustn't be long. It must be relatively short. And consider everything that we spoke about. Try and write something that is as much in line with what we discussed about purpose tonight. And then you bring it along next week. Next month, sorry. Next month. I said next week. I meant next month. Bring it along next month and invite a few friends to come along as well, a few colleagues. And we're actually going to, um, in the next two sessions, we're going to get very practical about purpose at work. Uh, purpose in life, more specifically your life, but also purpose at work. Uh, and, and I think it's going to be quite helpful, um, you know, so, so maybe bring a few colleagues along. But I'm just going to end off with a little story and then you're going to close for us in prayer. Okay, so there's uh, t- two portions to the um, to the activity for the month for the let's call it homework. Okay, that was Henny's word, not mine. Um, for for the homework, one is uh, if you need some some advice, and someone someone challenged me recently, asked me um, it it was like a, one of those coaching sessions, and he said to me, "But I do you know who you are?" I'm like, "Well, I thought I did until you asked me this question." Um, and and the purpose statement, um, when I did that, uh, it, it comprised the following. Because, I mean, if you've got to start writing down what, who you are, it's going to be a bit awkward, a bit abstract maybe. Some of the engineers in the room, you've got a good shot at this because you guys always go practical with it firstly. But the rest of us might struggle a bit. Um, so for the non-engineers in the room, what are you generally good at? What are you generally bad at? Okay. Both have an equal, uh, equal, both say enough about you, okay? What are you good at? What are you bad at? What are the values that you live by that are not aspirational? Meaning to say, not the stuff that you would like on your tombstone, but the stuff that when people observe your behavior in your life, that is what they can say about you already, okay? What are, the va- what are you good at? What are you bad at? What is the stuff you live by that's quite evident out there already in the world? Okay, so that's sort of part one, and that's tough enough. If you want to add a, a dimension to it, okay, here's another challenge. Uh, this guy said to me, let's imagine you've got 80 years. What did the Bible say? Three scores and 10, 70, okay? Let's imagine you've got 80 years, okay? And you break your life up into five-year chunks, Okay, so if you're 30 now, how many five-year chunks do you have left before you're 80? Okay? That's not an awful lot. Okay. So how many five-year chunks do you have left to get there? And then what it is, what is it that you thought you wanted to more or less achieve and do and get right and have said about you by the time you're 80? Okay? If you manage to get that far, that's already a thing. Then he said to me, most people he's worked with. Now, he, he, he works with um, uh, leaders of companies and stuff like that. He's that kind of coach. So he said to me, um, the people who get this right end up somewhere on purpose. And the people that he works with that fail to do this often just float, okay, which is a, quite a, a stark <laughs> take on stuff. So if, if you take those five-year chunks and you think to yourself, where in the next You've, you've got 50 years if you're 30 now. That's the mean age that we, we discovered. Um, 
if in the next seven years, the next seven years will tell you an awful lot about where you will end up in the next 50 years. Okay? And the next two years will tell you an awful lot about where you will end up in the next seven years. So basically, what are you good at? What are you bad at? What are your values? What would you like to achieve and have said about you? If in the next two years you fail to hit any of that, chances are you might miss it when you're 80. Very, very encouraging note that we ended on, eh? Um, but it's a challenge to take up um, because it's in a projection and amplification of where you're at now. When, uh, when I started doing this, it was just lots of blank pieces of paper before me, looking up at the ceiling, looking out the window, trying to write something, looking out again. <laughs> it's not that simple um, when you start doing this. But uh, at least the first phase, try and do that. What are you good at? What are you bad at? What are the, what are the values that, be, that can already be said about you without you aspiring to it already? Does it make sense? Okay. Cool. Let's pray. God, thank you that we can do this, uh, that we can discuss stuff like this, and that you are in it. Lord, that you guide these conversations. I pray even this, this next month, Lord, for, for just prophetic insight for so many people here, for all of us actually, Lord, that God, you would speak to us the way that we understand, um, and that God, that you will meet with us where we're at, Father. And even some for, for some for specific words, Lord God, to, to get from you, for some for specific encouragement, specific words, Lord, could, to just receive from you and say, this is what you punctuate in our lives right now. Um, it's a mass prayer, but I really pray, God, that it'll hit home in the hearts of all of us this, this next month, that you, um, that you speak to us, God, and that you have, a, have an intention for us to, to see you in all of this, God, and to grow in this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.